Hello, and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinale, and this is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or re-watching once a week. If this is the first episode of mine that you listen to when you enjoy it, please follow me wherever you listen to podcasts to get notified when I post episodes. All my social media is linked below. I am starting to upload my back catalog on YouTube. So if you stumble upon this on YouTube when it's updated there in like a month maybe, and you like this, like and subscribe, turn on your bell notifications. Well, first, all the chapters are in the description. So if you want to skip the intro, all the chapter timestamps are in the description. So you don't have to listen to my intro. <laughs> but I would like to start off with an apology for missing last week. I didn't intend to, even though it was like the week of Thanksgiving, because I wasn't doing anything for Thanksgiving. I was alone. I was working on Thanksgiving. But because I was working on Thanksgiving, I normally have Thursdays off and that's when I typically record the podcast. And I, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably picked up on it, but I'm not good when I'm not following my routine. Like if I literally, like I, I literally had Tuesday and Wednesday off instead of Wednesday and Thursday. And I just like, I couldn't record a podcast because I felt so out of whack. Like it was a Wednesday and I was like, I can't record a podcast on a Wednesday. And then I was like, maybe I'll do it on Thursday after work. But after work, I really didn't want to. So I just like, it didn't end up recording a podcast. It, it really wasn't intentional. I just like, it wasn't the way I normally do it. So then I felt unable to do it, but that's okay. Sorry for missing a week. Thanks if you care at all, which is why it's important, by the way, because I'm not a very consistent podcaster. This is a hobby. I have a full-time job and this is literally just something I do for fun. So if you're interested in the podcast, that's why like following me where you listen to podcasts is podcasts is important because you'll get notified there first. I do post about my episodes going live most of the time, but not always because I work Fridays and sometimes the episode finishes publishing and is scheduled and I'm already working. So I can't tweet until I'm on my dinner break and it's like a whole thing. So all, all of that to say, that following me, following me wherever you listen to podcasts is the best way to figure out if I've uploaded because I'm hoping to be more consistent, but I've been saying that for like two months and I've just like, I've had a lot going on in my personal life that has kind of gotten in the way of me being as consistent as I want to be. But I'm hopeful the new year is coming around and it's all about getting back into routines. Like this episode, it's like literally, this episode's probably going to be shorter than normal because I'm recording this at like 1am on Friday and I just, I normally don't record at this hour, but I pushed myself to record anyway because I was like, if I don't record today, I was like, oh, well, I can record tomorrow. And I know myself, I'm not going to record tomorrow after work. So I'm just, I'm recording today and it'll be okay. It'll be okay. So thanks for tuning in. This episode is kind of going to be a disaster. I'd originally planned when I was going to record this last week to do kind of like an overview of the of the Golden Bachelor season and the Bachelor in Paradise season going into this week's episode, which was the finale for the Golden Bachelor. But because I didn't do that last week um, and I literally just watched the finale like a half hour ago, I don't have notes prepared in terms of like an overarching 
point by point what happened during the season and stuff like that, which I wanted to do because I kept missing weeks and I wasn't able to like cover it like I wanted to. So I want to do that, but I'm, I'm doing that next week because I didn't have time to properly plan it. And I think it'll be nice now that the season's over. I kind of did that with Big Brother like a week after the season ended. I wrote down all my thoughts on the season as a whole and that was really nice. So I'm going to do that with The Golden Bachelor next week. And I'll also do Bachelor in Paradise season nine, but it probably won't be as in detail because I don't care. Like, I not that I don't care. Anyways, so that'll be next week. This episode is just going to be my random thoughts on a variety of shows that I watched this week. Timestamps are in the description like always. So if you don't care about a show I'm talking about, you can skip it. Or if you're you're my mom and you just want to listen to the intro, I appreciate that. Hi, Monique. Love you. <laughs> she told me, she was like, I listened to your podcast introduction and then I didn't listen to anything else because I didn't know what you were talking about. I'm like, I love that. Thanks. I appreciate it. Either way, any, any anything is appreciated. But anyways, yeah, this episode is going to be a variety of shows. So anyways, the first show I want to talk about is The Kardashians on Hulu. And I don't really talk about The Kardashians very often. Because I do watch it, but I just, I honestly haven't had much to say. Like, I don't have much to say about the Kardashians that doesn't, I feel like, end up becoming like a a broken record of me just being like, they are so out of touch and wealthy in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Like, that is my main takeaway from the Kardashians. But the finale for this season, I don't know, I think it was season four, I don't know. It had a few moments that I... That made me that I wanted to comment on, so I'm going to. But, anyways, so in the episode, there there was like a whole scene where Courtney is trying to like, and the reason I want to talk about it is because it was honestly kind of relatable to me. In like Courtney trying to talk to her mom about like therapy and exploring why you are the way you are. And I feel like Courtney has, she even asked Kim that at some point. And I I just, it really resonated with me as somebody who's been in therapy for a long time because I feel like, and not, not always, and it depends on the kind of therapy you're doing, but I feel like sometimes when you're working on yourself, you view things very differently. Like if you're in therapy and you're working on your emotions and and examining things like traumas or in like patterns that have led to your reactions and stuff like that. Like I feel like specifically with family, it's hard because you're like, I, it, it changes how you are in the, like in the dynamic and like, I don't know, it, it's just a very interesting thing. And it really resonated with me because I understand where she's coming from. And I think I've always like, I've kind of had a soft spot for Courtney because I feel like that is what I saw in her and all the like conflict of, of them thinking she's changed. I just see it as somebody who like, I've seen her as somebody who is trying to be a better version of themselves and doesn't want to be surrounded by her family's toxicity and then they're like mad at her for basically calling them out on like talk like I don't know that's the way it felt and is Courtney a perfect person not saying that but I just I feel like and maybe again maybe I'm just like projecting or whatever but I understood that feeling of trying to be like (laughs) I have been working on myself and this has helped me and I view things this way now 
and have the people in your life kind of like not be open to therapy or help or whatever. So I don't know. That was really interesting to me. That really made me think. And I, I, I think that that's just one of the reasons that I like Courtney. I resonate with Courtney. I don't know. I don't know what I can say beyond that. Sorry that I like Courtney, but I'm not. <laughs> and the second thing I wanted to talk about was, again, this is going to be so brief. It's going to be like five minutes of me talking about the Kardashians. But I just like, that's what this podcast is. Me just talking about thoughts I had while watching the shows I was watching for the past week. But at the beginning of the episode, like the finale, Kim was talking about how sometimes she like looks around and she can't, she's like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like she can't believe that she is where she is now. She said that they weren't the cool kids. Like they, they're not supposed to be where they are now when they started it. And I, I was wondering, have times changed or did they help change the times? Like that is, because the truth is I, as somebody who, re- who consumes reality TV and really enjoys reality TV and talks about reality TV a lot, I have seen a change in the like, I don't know how long I've been watching reality TV, maybe like seven years since I was like in high school. Like I, I, I don't know. But even in the time that I've been watching reality TV, I've seen a change with influencers and it's more likely for people. Like I, I feel like I became a really big fan of reality TV during that shift or maybe a little bit after it had started that shift. But I, I just, I think the way reality TV is viewed now as like a legitimate, and obviously it depends on who you're talking to. Plenty of people dismiss reality TV all the time. But I think in general, going on reality TV and not becoming like a profession or becoming an influencer off of that is like a lot more common and in a, in a way that I don't think it probably was when the Kardashians started. I don't know. I wasn't watching reality TV back then. And they were like at the beginning of, of reality TV for sure. So it's just interesting to me because when she was talking about like, we weren't the cool kids, I'm like, did, I think it's many factors. Do I think the Kardashians themselves changed <laughs> like the way reality TV is viewed in general? No, but I'm sure, like, I don't know. It was just really interesting to me because I just feel like that says a lot about the way times have changed. And even just like influencers and people going on reality TV to become famous. Like there's just such a different, because her saying like, we weren't the cool kids. I found it interesting because they came from privilege. The Kardashians were privileged. Like if the Kardashians started now, like let's take the D'Amelios. The D'Amelios are a pretty like um, wealthy family. They had like wealth already. And then the D'Amelios blew up on TikTok and they have a show now. And that's not viewed as like them not being the cool kids. That's like mainstream. And obviously the Kardashians are different, but I was just like, I just think it's interesting that... Like, I feel like if the Kardashians started airing now, it wouldn't be this thing of like, they weren't the cool kids from the beginning. And I just, I wonder how much they contributed to that shift in the culture. Or I, again, I don't think it was just the Kardashians, but I just found that interesting because I feel like that's less about, like, I feel like that's just more about the climate and the way reality TV is now versus what it was like back then is what it made me personally think think of. And that's not to discredit the fact that obviously the Kardashians have worked 
to become business women in their own regard. Like, I'm not trying to discount that because obviously they're very successful. I just think reality TV specifically, the way it's perceived in culture is so different now that I, I'm sure that is part of the reason. Like, they weren't the cool kids back then because reality TV wasn't as much of a, like, staple if that makes sense. I don't know. I just found that interesting as somebody who watches reality TV and who's been interested in the history of like reality TV and the progression. I just found that interesting because it's like there was there's no reason on paper now if the Kardashians started now for them to have ever been ostracized. Like there there's no it's a lot more mainstream now, I guess is what I'm saying. Not that it wasn't. I don't know if mainstream is the right word, but like not as looked down upon. But anyways, that's all I had to say about the Kardashians. The next show I want to talk about is not a show as a whole, it's a season. Because I've been re-watching old seasons of Big Brother, which I've talked about in a few of my last few episodes. And I just finished Big Brother 17 and it was so good. It was, it was delectable. It was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. I started watching during Big Brother 18 and I cannot believe that I this that this aired the year before I started like why did I start with Big Brother 18 it's just not even as good in comparison and I liked Big Brother 18 like when I was watching it I mean I kept watching and I have to say I think it's interesting now having watched a lot of seasons of Big Brother I, I my goal is to watch them all except Big Brother 1 because the structure of the game is too like it's not the same it's pointless to, to watch Big Brother 1. But I just find it interesting now in retrospect of all the seasons of Big Brother that, I, that I've watched that the first two I watched like live in real time and ever because I didn't go back and watch old seasons when I was watching Big Brother 18 and Big Brother 19 are like so not good in comparison to some like great seasons. Even Big Brother 17, which is still in that same kind of era of the Big Brother is so much better. <laughs> it was so much better than Big Brother 7, Big Brother 18 and 19. Like, it's crazy. And obviously, Vanessa made a big... Vanessa's a big reason of that. I have to say, I I, I watched Big Brother 16. 17 was obviously way be- better, way more compelling characters. I am not a fan of the Battle of the Block. Like, I'm not... I'm glad that's not, like, a thing that they still have today. It wasn't, like... I mean, it was around the entire season 16 basically not the entire season but like for a good amount of the season 17 as soon as the twins entered the game they ended it which I liked because it didn't go around for too long I just don't love the twists and the changes to the structure of the game and I like I like that they didn't continue that I think one HOH the HOH being safe because I think it makes the game like it's an interesting idea when they brought it up because it's like you can go from HOH to being evicted. But what ended up happening most of the weeks on Big Brother 16, at least, and maybe this is about the cast, but and like the people who are winning the competitions, maybe they all aligned. But it, just, it became this thing where more often than not, it wasn't like two separate HOHs. Like it wasn't like with somebody on this side of like one side of the house and somebody on the other side of the house were nominating like opposing people. Most of the time, the dual HOHs probably because there was a threat of being dethroned, it just, it, it, it became part of the strategy. So you would work with the other HOH and most of the time there was like a pair of nominees that was supposed to throw it. 
like it, it just it became very anti anticlimactic because the Battle of the Block, and obviously there were there were times in Big Brother Seventeen even where the person you didn't I think it I don't know if it happened in Brother in Big Brother Sixteen, but in Big Brother Seventeen it happened where the people who were supposed to throw it it didn't end up working like they still won because the other person like basically did it entirely by themselves. Oh, that that did happen in Big Brother 16. That happened, like, a couple times, but overall, like, there wasn't much twist to it. It became, like, just, you already knew, and I obviously I wasn't watching in real time, so to me it didn't matter, but I feel like if I was watching it in real time, like, it would just be really boring if I'd be like, well... Donnie's going to be dethroned as HOH anyway, so why do I care? Like, it was, it, it, I'm not a big fan of the Battle of the Block, I guess is my point. Also, the Battle of the Block is when they stopped doing the key wheel because since there were four nominees and two HOHs, like, they just turned the keys. There was no key wheel. And then they never did the key wheel again. And I'm just like, they should bring back the key wheel. Another thing I like about Big Brother, like old seasons, which is, I, this is supposed to be about Big Brother 17, but I just have thoughts about old seasons in general. And they stopped doing this around 16, maybe they 15. I don't remember which one they did, but I liked the old intro where it was like just clips of them, not like a weird intro of them doing some weird dance in like a studio that they then, like I, I liked the ones where, and then in the theme song, it would show when they got evicted, it, you would see them walking out of the house. Like I liked that because when somebody went home, you would know. I liked that. I think they should bring that back. There, I, and I said this in my last episode when I did a review of Big Brother 25, I just have a lot of changes that I would make. And I think watching old seasons has kind of it's like when you watch watching old seasons, you're like, well, they did this before, so they can do it again kind of feeling. Like, it's not just like in an ideal world, I would want this to happen. It's like, it's happened before. Why can't we go back to that kind of thing? But anyways, on Big Brother 17 specifically, I, I loved it. I loved Vanessa, obviously. I knew about Vanessa going into it. But I have to say, I'm kind of like fine with her not winning because she was rich anyway. Like, she is like still one of the highest earning women in like professional poker till like to this day. So like she was great to watch. I wish that she had won America's favorite player, but maybe people thought she was going to win. So they didn't vote for her or maybe people didn't like her when they were watching it. And it's just like in retrospect, we're like, she's one of the best players ever. I don't know, but she was great. So entertaining to watch, loved her. Steve, I knew, I knew Steve won going into it. And I, I really enjoyed watching Steve's journey. I, I read an article, like an interview he did about, and I, it was somewhat recent. I think it was like from 2021. It wasn't like an interview they did right when he won. It was like a recent interview. It was like two years ago at this point, but like in terms of like, it's been years since he won, this was probably the most up-to-date interview. And he talked about how uh, when he got home after winning, he was a little bit disappointed by the edit. But in retrospect, he's like glad that it wasn't because he like didn't love the attention and it kind of allowed him to go back to normal life. So I'm happy for him. And I think I had watched a video before I had watched the season and I watched this video like months ago, maybe last year. I don't even remember. From Ethanol, I don't know, Ethanol, I don't know, Ethanimal, Ethanimal, I don't know how you say his name, Ethanimal. Anyways, I was checking because it was either him or Peridium, but I, I had watched this video 
because I, I I've said this in a podcast episode one here at some point that I, I used to before I, I decided to go back and watch a lot of the seasons I I watched a lot of Big Brother YouTube content I've, like I've been watching Big Brother YouTube content for a while and so I had watched and I, I think I've watched most of his like how blank won their season and I watched season 17 about how Steve won so I knew like the general thing and I think I knew more about because he does a good job of talking about like not just what the edited show tells you just like the behind the scenes and Steve had talked about his strategy and in interviews going into the into the season so like I I feel like I knew more about like Steve like I, I knew Steve's general strategy going into the season so I was never judging him although I'm not a big I don't know I I like Steve's strategy the laying low I think that is one of the better strategies. Not like obviously there's not one way to win Big Brother, but like I don't feel like that is a bad strategy. I personally like that. I think it's a good, it's a really good strategy to be underestimated and then comp, like win as many comps in the end game. And I think a lot of the contestants that I really like could have done like this past season could like some of my faves could have done that if the comps had been more equitable. I really believe that. Like I really do. But I'm still in denial anyways. But I I knew Steve's strategy going into it. So I was just like giggling and kicking my feet when he was he was so sweet too. Like he was so sweet. I in that interview that I like read, he talked about how he wouldn't do it again because it was like he thought he would enjoy the strategic, like the strategy more and like making game moves. And he was like, it was really hard on me emotionally. And I won, like I can't. So like he, I don't think he would do it again. And he even said that like, he hasn't watched any season since because he was really excited. Like after he won to be part of like Rob has a podcast and just like be part of the big brother community and talk about it. But he got really like anxious watching big brother 18 because it just hit too close to home. And I totally get that. I feel like going on the show, I, I understand why it would change your approach to it. But I think he deserved to win. I mean, he cut Vanessa at the final three, which was the right move. If he hadn't done that, I don't think he would have won. Vanessa was a great player, but like, I'm really glad Steve won. Like from a purely, like from a strategic standpoint, was Vanessa maybe like the better player? I don't know because... Steve, like, it really depends on what you categorize as the better player. Like, I don't know. Vanessa was a very compelling character, and obviously she's a very strategic mind. And he said when he was cutting her that he's convinced that she's the strongest female player that Big Brother has ever seen. So, like, he recognized Vanessa's ability. And ugh, I just, Vanessa was so good. But I'm kind of, Van Vanessa was like, I, I, I really liked what Jason said in the like during the finale where he was like you were so good but then you would like cry about it and I just wanted you to be like I'm backstabbing and that's okay and it's like I feel that way about a few like about big brother contestants here like every now and then but I have to say I prefer the Vanessa backstabbing and manipulating and then being sad about it versus the like jag approach from this past season of like needing to vilify everybody you're turning against instead of just being like this is a game move but I did I did like what Jason said where he was like I just wanted you to like be cutthroat and acknowledge that you were cutthroat and embrace it and I'm like that's so true 
But I don't know. I liked the twin twist as a twin. I'm sad Davon didn't last longer. I'm really sad Davon did last longer. Obviously, she 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 came back in Big Brother 18, and that was the first season I watched. And so I I did watch her in that season, and I loved Davon on that season. Loved her in All Stars too. I I love Davon, but I wish she had lasted longer. I liked the twin twist. I, I'm i a twin, but I'm a fraternal twin. So it's just a different kind. It's a different experience. Because I, for example, could never go on that show and switch in and out with my sister. Like, we'd be found out immediately. I mean, first of all, we, like... We don't even, we don't look, we don't, we don't look the exact same. Like there's, it wouldn't work. <laughs> it was a good season. I hated Austin. I hated him. I hated him. He was the worst. There was a point earlier in the season on Vanessa's HOH where they were like, where Austin was the original backdoor plan. And then either he caught on or somebody told him, I can't remember. And he flipped it. Like he, uh, like it, the, the, he ended up staying and I was miserable. Like I knew he stayed because I knew just based on the lore that he like got evicted in a double or it wasn't a double eviction. I thought it was, but it, I don't think it, it wasn't double eviction. It was just a surprise eviction, but I didn't know that. I thought it was a double eviction, but he, he got evicted like without his shoes. I knew that lore. So I knew that he didn't go home that week, but I was watching it like, man, I know he doesn't go home, but I want him to. I can't stand him. Like I can't stand him. <sighs> Like, I, I really didn't like him at all. And a lot of people I liked went home early. There were also a lot of people I didn't care about, but loved. I Johnny Mac, I have to say, I, again, knew the lore, knew the basic stuff about Johnny Mac. He was a lot funnier than I than I thought he would be. Maybe it's because the, the last memory I have of Johnny Mac, like the most recent, was like Johnny Mac demented dentist from like Big Brother 25. He was like a really funny guy, <laughs> like demented dentist. I, I don't see that at all. He's just like a fun guy. He was funny. It was it was a really entertaining season. Like I really recommend watching Big Brother 17. Vanessa's so good. Steve, I think is a great player. Like I think he deserved to win. Even like Liz, I, I think I didn't, like again, I didn't, I knew the general way that Steve won because of that Thanimal video on YouTube, which I do recommend. <laughs> If you're listening to this, but you like I, I'm much much smaller creator, but I really like his videos. Him and Pretty, I really like both of them. But anyways, I I knew Steve's general arc and strategy, but I feel like I didn't know much about Liz or any, or I even knew about Vanessa because Vanessa and Steve evicting Vanessa is obviously very important to his story. But I feel like I didn't know much about Liz. And even Liz, like, played a really, like, she, depending on who she would go against in the final two, I mean, I don't know. She did obviously depend on a lot of her allies, but she won a good amount of competitions. Like, she, like, she, I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, I thought, because I, like, what I knew of Big Brother 17 was, like, Vanessa, I thought that everybody else was kind of, like, a non-factor. But, like, a lot of people played a role in, like, that general alliance. Obviously, Vanessa was, like, the mastermind, but Liz carried her weight, I guess is what I was going to say. They need to bring back the competitions from these eras, like anything. I'm begging, I'm begging. But that, that's all I have to say about Big Brother 17. <laughs> the next show I wanna talk about, which is like, this is kind of weird for me to talk about because I haven't talked about scripted television in like months because of the strike. And now I can talk about scripted t- TV again. 
And I've been rewatching The OC. And I really want to talk about The OC because I've been rewatching it. And that's what this podcast is for. So talk about The OC, which is just very weird to me in terms of like, I, I feel weird talking about like it's scripted TV. I'm like, no, I, I, I can't do that. But I have stuff to say and I can, I can say it here now. And, and not that I like could technically not say it. Again, I'm not like an influencer, but they did like request people who do recap shows and reviews and stuff to avoid talking about struck work or even old work that would be struck in this day and age. So I just avoided it. But the strike is over. So I'm going to talk about the OC. I will admit that I started up my rewatch again. I had started rewatching it a few months ago and I got to like the end of season, like mid season, late mid season two. After post Seth and Summer getting back together, I was at that point in season two because they broke up at some point in season two and they got back together. <laughs> or actually, no, they, they're not together for the majority, for the beginning of season two because he'd left at the end of season one. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I, I started up the rewatch again because of an edit that somebody made on Twitter of Seth and Summer and America and Corey, the similarities. And I loved that. I was like, oh God, I miss the OC. So I started watching the OC again. And I'm like, in a, like I'm in the middle of a million rewatches. I'm, I'm rewatching Gilmore Girls. I honestly, I'm always kind of perpetually rewatching Gilmore Girls. Sometimes I take a couple weeks off, but right now I've really been digging the OC. <laughs> and I love it. It's so good. Anyways, I'm on like mid season three now. And I have to say something I've, I found interesting and maybe I just haven't rewatched the OC enough because Gilmore Girls, I've rewatched so many times that even like the bad storylines don't give me anxiety because I'm like, I, I, it's fine. But rewatching the OC, like I love the characters and the good parts are so good. But like half the storylines, honestly, also the OC in terms of like content, not that Gilmore Girls isn't serious, but it's just, man, some of the storylines in the OC, it's just like, it's so stressful. Like it's so stressful. I get overwhelmed all the time. It's like Kirsten goes to rehab and then she comes back from rehab and some lady's trying to scam her. And it's like, can we have a moment of peace? I, I will say the one thing I really like about... I mean, I love the OC, like I'm not hating on it. And obviously like it's a teen drama, so it's like dramatic, but I love the character so much that it genuinely stresses me out. Like when I watch Gossip Girl, I love Gossip Girl, but I don't have any emotional, I don't have many emotional attachments to really any of the characters. Like I like the characters and I love the show, but the OC, I watch it and I'm like, I it, it gives me anxiety when Seth is like suffering when Ryan is suffering, when Kirsten and Sandy have con like gives me literally Marissa, like their con it gives me genuine anxiety. It gives me like reveal anxieties. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I found that interesting because I was like, why am I stressed like every other episode of the OC? Like I, I, I can't, even in my rewatch, like I can't watch it two days in a row. Like it gives me anxiety. <laughs> it's a really good show though. But like something sad happens like every like every season. But anyways, what I was gonna say is something I really love about the OC is that Seth and Summer, for a like teen relationship, I think they're a pretty solid. Like they break up a couple times, but they're not really that much of an on again. On. Like they feel like a very healthy relationship that like navigates real issues and obviously like they deal with the typical teen drama like I lied to my boyfriend and then he found out that I was lying in the or actually no 
Summer doesn't really lie to him as much as he lies to her. But they have their moments where it's really stressful. But I think more than it's stressful, it's just really, it's nice. Like, they have a very, they're together for, like, the majority of the show. And they have their ups and downs and their changes and the dynamic of their relationship. They break up a few times. But I feel like there are more happy moments in their relationship than there is tension and conflict. And I like that. And even, like, the tension, they, like, resolve it pretty quickly. I love their relationship. At least that part, I don't like Marissa and Ryan. Like, I just, I can't, I can't root for them. I like Marissa. I like Ryan, but I'm just like, God, rewatching it every single time I rewatch it. I'm like, it's too much. It's too much. It's too stressful. It's like, you guys are not meant to be together and that's okay. Marissa's really relatable to me. Like I have to say, I I, I love Marissa, but I, I, God, every season has like parts that I really love. And parts that just like make me so anxious. I love, even though at first it's kind of like Seth freaks out a little bit about Summer secretly being like really smart and wanting to go to Brown when he wants to go to Brown. I have to say, I don't know if this is accurate because I didn't go to like a high-end fancy private school. But in all of these teen shows where they go to like prestigious private schools, I mean, they didn't do this on Gilmore Girls, but like Gossip Girl, they did this too, where it's like, they typically only accept one student from that school. Is that normal? Is that normal? I don't know because I went to a public school and I applied. I I didn't actually, I only applied to one college because I got an early decision, but like I wasn't, I wasn't going to apply to a bunch of Ivies. And I just like, I don't know if that's normal. Like that feels kind of weird to me. Maybe it's because I went to a public school and like, I know multiple people who got into Ivy League colleges, but it's like, who like, multiple people in the year would get into like it wasn't a thing where it was like only one student like is that normal in prestigious private schools I don't feel like that's accurate I feel like that's just a plot device they have in all these shows to make it seem a and not that obviously applying to Ivy League schools is already really competitive but they add this extra layer of like there's conflict between two people who really want to go to the same school together that just doesn't I don't feel like that's like that doesn't make sense to me that they're only going to accept one person from this prestigious school. That doesn't make any sense. And I worked in admissions and obviously working in admissions as a student is a very different experience than like admitting people. Like I, I just interviewed and did like info sessions. But everything I've learned about college admissions from like my my work, I, I, I don't, that doesn't seem realistic to me. It seems like they would get in if they were the right choice and they were fit for it and obviously like again it's a lot more like the admissions rate is a lot but like it just it feels like they wouldn't have this set rule of like we typically only choose one student from this prestigious school that doesn't make sense to me but anyways even in the like Seth freaking out a little bit about summer wanting to go to brown it like comes like comes around pretty quickly of him being like super excited and i love there's this scene in season three, which I love when they're they're prepping for their interviews, where Ryan is asking them practice questions. And one of them is who had the biggest influence on your intellectual development. And Summer says Mucha Prada. And then Seth is like, I, I think you probably want to say somebody more like Albert Einstein. And then summer's like responds with something really intellectual and beautiful about Prada and I just loved it because I feel like summer is a character who like she was never stupid she was just always interested and very invested 
in the things that she cared about and like was like summer was never stupid she just she had things that she was that she was passionate about and that was what she like i just really liked that because i even feel like when summer starts embracing this more like intellectual side it's like she's still herself but just more she's just like a more well-rounded full version of herself like it, it's never this thing of like her changing or suddenly liking Albert Einstein. It's like this thing of, not that there's anything wrong with liking Albert Einstein, but it's like, she still likes fashion and, and that doesn't mean she's stupid. Like, I just love that. Summer Roberts would have loved Barbie. Like, I'm so serious. But like, I love that she was like, Mucha Prada combined, I don't know the exact quote, but she says something about how Mucha Prada combined styles from many decades in ways that people never thought was possible. And and she was, and she's like, her clothes, her clothes make you change your perspective. Like, I don't know. It was just, I like, I, I love that scene. I love Summer Roberts. I love Seth Cohen. I love Summer Roberts. I love, even though the conf, them getting into college part is like hard to watch because I'm not going to, I don't know if the spoilers matter. The show's been out for like 20 years, but like, <laughs> even that is like, it's stressful, but then it, it's resolved in like, like, I, I don't know. I, for, there are a lot of storylines that even that are just like stressful but the resolution doesn't feel happy it's just like i'm glad it's over the second summer conflicts i really enjoy and this is why i love their relationship because it feels like every conflict and every like every yeah any conflict or every step in their relationship it feels like it then changes the dynamic and there's growth and like if that makes sense i think some couples in teen drama type shows, there's a lot of like on again, off again, conflicts, fights, and they just kind of keep going in the same cycle. Seth and Summer really grow together through every phase. And I love when Summer goes to college. I, like, I, I love that whole thing, but I'll talk about that when I get there and maybe watch. Um, I love the OC. I really recommend it. It's It's kind of like, Obviously, they're very different, like they're different shows, but it's kind of like Gossip Girl-esque in the sense that it deals with like very wealthy people and like there's an outsider and Ryan, but it's like it's West Coast. It's people, it's in Orange County instead of the Upper East Side. So I love it. As somebody who lives in California, I don't live in Orange County. Something I was thinking about today when I was driving is... The theme song for the OC, which is like a great song, it, a big, it, it, they talk about driving down the 101. And I've only been to Orange County like a couple times, so I don't know. But do you drive through the, like, does the 101 go to Orange County or through Orange County? Because I know like you can go on the 101 when you're like driving around LA, but I don't know if, if it takes you to Orange County or like, I know they didn't write the song for the OC, but I always wonder because I'm like, the whole show is about Orange County. And obviously the theme song talks about California, but like a big thing is we're driving down the 101. So I'm like, does that even get to Orange County? This doesn't matter to anybody else. I do love driving down the 101. Like it's fun. I'm like driving down the 101, California. <laughs> I'm not a good singer. But I love the OC. I'll keep talking about it as I rewatch if I have any more thoughts. But anyways, the last show I'm going to talk about is The Golden Bachelor. As I said in my intro, if you skipped my intro, that's fine. 
I had originally planned for this episode to be like a deep, like a review of this season as a whole going into the finale because I was going to record this last week, but then I didn't. So this is just going to be my general thoughts immediately post watching the finale. And then next week I'll go more like plot point by plot point. Not that it's a plot, but like episode by episode, general conflict, the narrative, the relationships, the epic highs and lows of high school football. Like I'll, I'll go more in detail next episode. I just kind of want to talk about how I'm feeling about the show immediately after watching the finale. I'm sure I've said this before, but The Golden Bachelor, it's funny because one of my first episodes of this year, maybe it wasn't one of my first episodes, but I don't think it was one of my first episodes, but an early episode at some point this year was about how the Bachelor franchise doesn't have to die. Like I I felt like the last few seasons have kind of been flops and not the best. And it just, it feels like kind of like it was failing And how I just like, I genuinely believed that with the shift in perspective of the producers, it could be so good. And I think the Golden Bachelor has given the Bachelor franchise new life in a really beautiful way. And in a way that I think addressed a lot of the the thoughts I had about ways I think the Bachelor franchise could improve. And I think one of the biggest ones is that it just feels so real. And I think, and I don't want to say that like, the regular Bachelor is less real because people are going more often than not for reality TV fame versus love. For me, the authenticity, it's not even just about the fact that they're not, like, I don't know. I I feel like it's interesting because I, when I was talking about this, this, my idea was I don't necessarily think that The Bachelor needs to like not cast people who are interested in reality TV fame. I just wish that the show could talk about it and approach it in a way where it's like, logically, this is a platform and this is a TV show. And I'm aware of that aspect, but I'm also interested in love. Like I I just didn't want it to be such a black and white thing of like, if you talk about Instagram, that means that you are like not looking for a committed relationship and you're not like a serious love interest for the bachelor you're just a clout chaser like I didn't like that I wish it could just be more real and the golden bachelor was more real for different reasons but I liked that authenticity and again I don't personally think I like I don't care if people are going on the show for both I care if they're not interested in love at all and it's like all completely fake like that that's not good because I I I'm watching to to watch real human connections, whether it's relationships that don't work out or friendships formed or like a lifelong love. That is what I watch reality TV for is connections, interpersonal relationships, like that kind of thing. And I think The Bachelor has just felt so not real. And this this iteration of The Bachelor just felt so real. And I also, I know I've said this before, I really appreciated getting to watch the love stories of people's people whose love stories are not normally told. And I don't know, it was just really beautiful. You don't hear a lot about people like finding love in their golden years. And I thought honestly, they kept advertising it and not that I thought it was gonna be a joke, but it's just like, I guess I didn't really know what it was gonna be. Like I couldn't have expected what it was gonna be and it was so good. It also, you know, it's, it's funny because I was like, I, I've been wanting The Bachelor to, to feel more real and not so like 
formulaic. But I have to say as a viewer, it was a little bit more anxiety inducing because I, I consider myself a bit of a professional Bachelor watcher in the sense that I feel like I can read the editing and I can be like, literally, <laughs> I will watch the normal Bachelor and not at the beginning when there's like 30 women, but like towards the end, I have a pretty good guess of who's going to get which rose in what order. Like the final three, I'm almost always like spot on of like this person, this person, and then this person. And not even in the like, I think this is his number one, just in the way that I think the editing tells me, like, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm really good at predicting that kind of thing. Like I, I, I'm good at knowing, like, I feel like I know with the normal bachelor in a way that I, I just, I haven't felt, I haven't felt this, this season. I was so confused all the time. I never had a good idea of what Gary was going to do. I couldn't read him. <laughs> I, I couldn't read it at all. Maybe it's also because I didn't know anything about Gary, but you know what the thing is? I didn't know anything about, about Clayton because he was there for like two seconds in Michelle's season. And even that, I felt like I kind of could sense what was... I mean, honestly, Clayton's was kind of all over the place, though. But anyways, the finale was really sad in the way that a lot of this the episodes have been sad because so much of the... Like, I, it's just sad. It's so sad. Like, the happy parts are so happy and the sad parts are so sad because the stakes are that much higher. When I was taking drama classes in college, like, one of the things we were taught to talk about was, like, the stakes. And I just... I really felt that when I was watching The Golden Bachelor. Like the stakes felt so real. They felt so high. It was so hard to watch. It was so hard to watch in the sad parts. And even like when the person Gary didn't choose, whatever, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil, who cares? If you, if you haven't seen the, the finale, don't listen to this. But when Leslie was being broken up with, even her response felt so real. Like it felt like, not, and again, I'm not trying to say, it It felt real in the sense that it didn't feel like she was aware at all or cared at all that it was on TV. Like, I feel like a lot of the times when, and maybe this is just a different, like, feeling that all younger people have towards technology and being on, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the, the logistics, psychology, I don't fucking know, behind it. But it's just like she, like it. It didn't feel like it was for TV at all, and not that it like is when you're there are real emotions. Like I'm not saying it's staged, but I think I would even like this isn't to fault anybody, but I think there is a level of like awareness you have when you're on TV of like this is gonna be on TV, and it just it didn't feel like they cared at all, and maybe that just comes with age. But it was like they just, it felt like they were going to say and be who they they were going to be because that's who they are. Like there was no censorship or moderation of who they are. It was just genuinely who they were in a way that I really liked. And again, I think that a big roadblock and like issue that the regular Bachelor has had is that there is no room for the women to be completely themselves because there is always this elephant in the room of them maybe wanting to be influencers. And if they just acknowledge that, and you know it, you know what sucks? Is somebody I really think did this well, and just in retrospect, it's so tainted because he had a girlfriend back home and he really only came on the show for like exposure. But when Jed from Hannah Brown season, before I knew that he had a girlfriend, when he, when he was like, I 
was interested in this show because I thought it would be a good opportunity, but I honestly, it surprised me how real the feelings are. I really liked that because it felt so genuine and I just wish more people could talk about the show in that way where it's like, I genuinely am interested in finding somebody I think we'd be compatible, but I'm also open to that other aspect. Like I, I think that I can't wholly fault or even ma- like majorly fault the contestants on The Normal Bachelor for this because I think there is just that roadblock and that like obstacle in them fully being able to be themselves because of the stigma of like you're interested in Instagram. That means like it's, uh, it's either or in the way the show portrays it in a way that is so unhealthy and so counterproductive in making the show feel real. Like we live in an age where a lot of people want to be influencers or even if they don't want to be influencers, a lot of people like Instagram, have social media things, would want to go on a show and be like, hey, it'd be great to to make more money. After all, we are in like late stage capitalism. Like people need to make money. Who am I, like, why am I going to fault somebody if they can like make more money now because of like an exposure they had on TV? Like I'm never going to yuck anybody's yum or block people's blessings, Okay. Like America Lopez from Big Brother 25. I just paid $50 for a cameo from her. I think that's great that she can sell out $50 cameos in an hour. I think that's great that she's making that money. Why am I going to like, it's bringing me joy to get a cameo from her. And it's helping her financially. Like I, I don't see any problem with that, genuinely. And so I just, I just wish it wasn't so like, because at the end of the day, I don't have to pay her. Like the people I support from Bachelor Nation, whether it's like subscribing to their Patreons or just following them and liking their posts or listening to their podcasts or like I did once buy a sweater that Katie Thurston linked because it was on sale and I liked it. <laughs> like if it's stuff like that or just being like influenced in one capacity or they're using their codes. I watched Dear Shandy, love Dear Shandy. I've, I've used their codes before, like things like that. I, it's optional. It's an optional thing for me to do for somebody I enjoyed watching on TV who provided me a piece of entertainment, who continues to provide me enjoyable content. And I'm, so I'm, I'm help. Like, it's just, it's optional. It's not like this thing where it's like, oh my God, how dare they? Because at the end of the day, if people like them and people want to support them financially, even just by following them and that giving them social capital to make money, who cares? Why do I care? Why do I care? I don't, I don't care if that one person I didn't like on The Bachelor becomes an influencer. That means nothing to me. So why are they putting this stigma when it's not this inherently like negative thing? It's a job it's a job. You're working and you're making money. And at the end of the day, the people making the most money off of these people's exposure that then gets them a platform is ABC, is the corporation. So why do I, why am I going to shame somebody for going on reality TV? The company will make a lot of money off of them being on reality TV if they go a, a, a certain... Like, that is what why it doesn't make sense to me. Because it's not like these people aren't making these corporations money. And then like, who cares if they use that experience, which a lot of the times is not a very healthy environment because there aren't many regulations in producing reality television. Like a lot of the times you go on the show, it's not the best experience. 
why am I going to like discount somebody for, for profiting off of it or like becoming an influencer? Like, I just wish it, it wouldn't become this thing of like, oh, this person wants to be an influencer. Why do we care? And I think the Golden Bachelor was just able to be real because none of the women were really probably looking to be influencers. Because, but if they were, they also probably like they wouldn't care. Like, I think there's just also probably a different dynamic that the producers had to the contestants this season because they were older, where it was like when you're in your early 20s, even like up until your 30s, and you're going on this reality TV show, you're like earlier in your career, you're not as established. Like you have a lot more to lose. And so you're more vulnerable. Not that you don't have anything to lose when you're older, but it's like you're more established. You have your life. A lot of people are retired. It It's a different vibe. They also probably don't want to malign you if you're like older. Like, I, I don't know. It's probably a different environment with the producers, but I just, I hope that they can take what they learned from the golden bachelor and make the normal bachelor better (laughs) because that is what I want for my reality TV. Something that feels real. And it doesn't obviously have to be like, I don't want to watch people just like do nothing and eat cereal or like, like I'm, I'm not trying to get a reality TV in my life where I like wake up late make a matcha design newspapers all day like that that's not what I'm like obviously I'm watching the bachelor for like intrigue and and romance and stuff like that but I want people to be able to be themselves and I just feel like they are putting this unnecessary barrier that stops contestants from just freely being who they are because there's a like line they can't cross and it's not even like this horrible line it's like genuinely just like talking about existing in this modern era and making maybe like making a little bit of money off of an experience that you are not paid for if you're going on The Bachelor and an experience in which a corporation is profiting off of you. Like that is what it comes down to for me, where it's like ABC is getting a lot of money from these people. Why? I think that's great if then they can get something from it. And if they decide like Steve from Big Brother 17, and I think it's more common probably in Big Brother than it is because Big Brother is like a competition show and you win money. In The Bachelor, you don't win money. And if you're a contestant, you don't get paid at all. Like you're, you're just there and like you don't, you don't get paid to go on The Bachelor. So you like, if you want to go and you want to make money, who am I going to, like they're making money off of you and you didn't make any money from it. But if you also want to go on the show, find love and then become more private or pivot to something else, that's great too. Like I just... I don't understand why we're like vilifying people who want to be influencers. Again, if you're going on the show and you have a girlfriend or you're just playing them and you're not interested, there are levels to it. I don't want people who are on the show faking it. That's what I'm saying. I would like to feel like the people are genuinely, the chemistry is real. They're interested in pursuing the relationships. Obviously. But I also just don't think there's anything wrong with going into an experience where you were 30, like you were one of 30 dating one person and maybe thinking more how likely it is. Like Jason Tardick went on Game of Roses and he like talked about how he like did all the statistics of like how likely it would be for him to get to what week so he could like give proper dates for his boss that he was missing which I really liked but it's just like it's it's like I don't know it feels so inauthentic anyways this this wasn't even about I went on a tangent 
back to the Golden Bachelor. I I think that I've said this before about the about the about the Bachelor is sometimes I feel like the real love story isn't what's like captured or when the season ends I don't feel like I really saw their love story. I think they did a pretty good job of uh, not making it too obvious, but I see like his choice makes sense to me and they had a lot of moments where it it, it just it makes sense that it was her at the end. I I think they did a good job capture, capturing their love story. I love that they're doing the live wedding. They haven't done that in years. I love that they're doing that. I never got to watch one. I watched a wedding on Bachelor in Paradise, but that wasn't live. They like that aired later and they're divorced now (laughs) but I I think they did a good job the editors did a good job as much as I felt and I've said this this before that I feel like I'm missing a lot just because of the length of the episodes I do feel like at least their love story it didn't come out of nowhere it feels like it was always a a thread there like she was always I don't want to say an option but she was always like prominent like it makes sense why it was her if that makes sense. But anyways, also before I, I wrap up on the bat, the Golden Bachelor thoughts, and you know what's funny? I, I said this episode was going to be shorter and it's probably going to be like not that much shorter than my normal episodes because I, I rambled a lot. Who would have thought me, a Gemini, rambling? Never. JK. But before I wrap up my thoughts on the Golden Bachelor, I know that there was an expose that was published like the day before the finale and it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But I also didn't care that much. You know, you know what it is? I, 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 I was very moved by Gary's story and I was like rooting for him, obviously. But I, I always have it in the back of my mind that I don't actually know these people. They're, it's just an edited television show. So finding out that there are like, there's different shades to Gary as a person, it didn't really change. I wish I'd found out after the finale, but honestly, I feel like I went into the finale trying not to think about that. And I don't think it ruined the feelings. I like, I, I, but like, I wish it came out after the finale so I could enjoy the finale a little bit more because I, but there was that cynical part of me who was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But overall, I enjoyed it and I didn't have that many negative, like it, it didn't color my, opinion on Gary's love story too much which I'm happy about I think I think I've I've been I I just I try very hard to always be prepared to be like I I don't know these people they're strangers to me and I'm like and even I don't even like ship couples from reality tv like I root for people's happiness and the success and I love watching people fall in love and I love love and I love for love to last but I try very hard specifically with couples to never be like, oh my God, they're endgame. I'm rooting for them. I ship them because it's like, they're not fictional characters. It's like a real relationship that I only know a, a, a tiny piece of. I'm not with them every day. I don't know what their dynamic is actually like. If they break up, like th- th- I didn't know what their relationship was like. Like I feel like people, there's like a parasocial level. Like for example, not to throw shade, but people who are like genuinely, like genuinely ship Matt and Riley from Big Brother 25, like it feels like, like I literally saw a TikTok where the person said, I don't care that they're not together. They're my faves and they're going to be endgame. And it's like, this isn't the fucking Avengers movie. Well, actually, I don't know if there's any love in that movie. I never watched it, but it's, it's like, it's not a movie. Like it's not a movie. What is this Riverdale with all the endgame talk? Like stop. 
They're, they're real people and they're not in a relationship. That's weird to me. They, they literally knew each other for like two weeks on the TV show. There's barely any clips of them even showing interest in each other. When he said that he would, he liked her, all he said was, I find you really attractive. I have a little crush on you. Like to me, that's like, okay, he thinks I'm attractive. And then he obsessed over her. Like, I just like, what is the substance? What, what are you shipping there beyond like, not saying that they didn't have anything, but it's just like, they're not together and there are people who are like, they are endgame. Like, seek help. That kind of feeling towards a, a like a, a couple you've watched on reality TV doesn't make sense to me. So I just, I feel like I try very hard to be aware of that parasocial thing, like feeling going into shows. So as much as it was like really disappointing, I did, I wasn't emotionally invested enough for it to upset me too much. So... And it wasn't great, but like, I don't know. It's, it's sad because it's like the bar is so low. <laughs> the bar is so low where I'm like, it wasn't that bad, but it, like, it, it wasn't great. I feel like the, the biggest point was that the show is portraying him in a way that isn't completely accurate to who he is. And I'm like, that's just The Bachelor. What show do you think you're watching? <laughs> like, they, they literally... In Hannah Brown's season, the the guy who she got engaged to at the end had a whole girlfriend. The People magazine, or maybe it was US Weekly. I think it was, I don't know. It was one or the other. One of those magazines broke the story. Like they had access to her. They found her. So it's like, what show are you watching that you think people don't have more, pa- like more of a past than is being shared? Let's be real. L- let's be for real. Like I just, anyways. Those are, those are my general thoughts. Next week, I will do a like point by point overview like I did for Big Brother 25 for this first season of The Golden Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise season nine. And, and maybe I'll also just talk about what I've been watching, like just if I have more to say. But I think I'm going to next week, this episode was kind of like all over the place. But next week, I think I want to I want to be a bit more detailed in like specific focused in what I'm talking about. And then next, the week after that, maybe I'll do a recap of the OC or something. I don't know. I would love to do a deep dive like I did for Yellow Jackets. I would love to do that for the OC. I find those really fun. And speaking of the Yellow Jackets, I I mentioned this in my intro, but you can upload, I've been uploading my back catalog to YouTube because the podcasting feed, which is where I upload all my episodes that then go to podcasting streaming services. You can now upload like videos directly to YouTube from that if the episode is under two hours long. For the episodes that are over two hours, I have to manually create a video, which I did for one of the last ones that I posted. But for Yellow Jackets, for the deep dive, I'm thinking... And I haven't started editing it because I'm, I, I haven't edited a video in like three years, maybe more, but I kind of want to do like more of a visual, like I'm going to, I'm not going to add audio to it. Like I'm going to use the audio I recorded because I took detailed notes and I spent a lot of time doing that, but I'm going to, for the video version, I'm not going to just have like my logo. I'm going to try to include visual aids. So that is, I'm going to be working on that for like a couple of weeks because it's probably going to take me a while and I do have a full-time job. So that'll be out at some point. It'll just be my podcast audio, but revamped. It'll be visual and that'll be on YouTube. I'm really excited about that because I hope it maybe gets me an audience that isn't typically into like podcasts 
Joe's podcast like likes the Mike Smite type video essay, although I won't be talking in front of like a wall. It'll just be video. Like, I don't know. I like those kind of videos. Hopefully people do. And I'm, I'm working on that for Yellow Jackets. But thank you so much for listening. This episode is actually a pretty good length. I talked for longer than I thought I would. I guess that always happens. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry for missing last week again. Hopefully I'll be here next week. If I'm not, you know, that's fine. Follow me wherever you listen to podcasts for updates. All my social media is linked below. I post updates on Twitter more often than anywhere else. So if you're like, I wonder if Emmy's going to pop, like if it's like Friday evening and the episode isn't out and you're like, I wonder if it's going to be up later today or tomorrow. I I normally tweet when there's going to be a delay. So anyways, thanks so much for listening. Follow me wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed the episode, like, and subscribe if you're listening to this on YouTube when it goes live there in a couple weeks. Share it with a friend if you liked it, who watches any of the shows I talked about and tell them, hey, you can just watch this chapter. You don't have to watch the whole thing. I mean, it makes it so easy for you to just listen to the stuff you care about. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to please. Um, share it with a friend if you enjoy it. And thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. I love this podcast so much. And anybody listening to it means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Have a great week. And you will hopefully hear from me next week. If not a week from then, you'll hear from me when you hear from me. I'm trying my best. I've really, I've, I've had kind of a rough last six months, but that's neither here nor there. You'll hear from me in the near future. Goodbye.